This fall, we are um, taking a bit of a guided tour through the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. We're trying to learn some life wisdom um, that guide us every day into the kind of life that's flourishing. One of the themes that runs throughout the book of Proverbs, you've heard it running throughout our morning's worship service, is that of integrity. Integrity. Uh, wholeness, stability. Integrity is when things are made to fit together, work together, hold together, and they actually do. That's why we use phrases like structural integrity. Uh, this morning we'll be talking about moral and spiritual integrity. As we do that, we're going to expose a couple of gaps, gaps on two different levels, um, a personal level and a universal level. Now, the book of Proverbs works like this. It's often talking about two things simultaneously. It's talking about something on a very personal, tangible, my life right now, me kind of moment but also talking about something that's universal, that applies to every human being, even if they're in totally different circumstances than your own. Last week we saw that as we worked through kind of on that personal level, there's a lot of stuff in Proverbs that teaches you what to look for when you're getting married. What kind of spouse am I marrying? A wise spouse or a foolish one? And on that universal level, Proverbs is constantly saying, whether you get married or not, you got to marry a woman, a woman named Wisdom or another woman named Folly. That universal human condition, every one of us has to make that choice, even if we never make this choice to get married. And so when it's talking about the one, it's also talking about the other. Each informs the other. Proverbs just works like that. Today we're going to see that same thing illustrated, not with the choice of whom to marry, woman, wisdom, or folly, but um, with this issue of integrity. And uh, interestingly enough, the theme of integrity shows up in our scripture reading for the morning. How about that? There's integrity between the text and the sermon. Uh, Stacy, thank you for reading for us. Our scripture readings this morning come from Proverbs. First, from chapter 10. <clears throat> whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And from chapter 20, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. A king, who sits on the throne of judgment, winnows all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
This is not the word of the Lord. This is the Lego Millennium Falcon, um, this picture. So uh, if you know the Star Wars stories, you know that this is the most famous ship in all those stories, the Millennium Falcon. This was the first uh, Star Wars Lego set that came into our family. It was not the last. It was the first. And it uh, comes with all these detailed instructions and I don't know how many parts. And uh, sitting down to put it all together. Uh, and, and it looks so amazing, like so detailed. Um, it, it, it looks like the real thing, right? And then Patrick, our son, grabs it as one should to play with it, to give it its inaugural flight, right? This thing that looks so amazing, and it starts to fall apart, like pieces just start dropping off, because for some odd reason, it was not made to be played with. It was a toy <laughs> that was made to be looked at. And um, yeah, it looked solid, but it lacked structural integrity. There was no good place to hold it without destroying it. Nobody wants that kind of disappointment in a toy or in things more serious. You don't want to be disappointed and let down by other people who look good, look solid, but when real life hits them, they start, their integrity starts to dissolve and disintegrate. And you don't want to be that kind of person for other people either. There is a gap. Uh, between our desire and our experience. We're going to talk about a couple of gaps related to integrity today. This is that gap on that personal level, right? We experience this gap between what we long for, what we desire, and what we actually experience. And Proverbs is filled because it's about real-world wisdom from the God who made the world. It's filled with examples of this kind of gap, and so we look at Proverbs chapter 10. We see a few uh, examples there. You can follow along on screen here or in your worship guide uh, and just see the examples we get. First of all, verse 9 of chapter 10 hits us with that word integrity. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. There are a few different words for integrity. In, in Proverbs, the most common is a noun, uh, tom. And uh, the adjective form used to describe people uh, and uh, to describe those who have integrity is, is tamim. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. You see that vocabulary, but you also see this metaphor of walking. So many times when Proverbs talks about integrity, it can also be translated as blamelessness. Whoever is blameless. Um, when you see that vocabulary in Proverbs, you see it in, in, in uh, company with this metaphor of walking. Why? Well, because walking, a journey, is a great metaphor for life. We want it to be going somewhere, right? And integrity means that if you want to go there, you, your walk is actually in that direction. Why would you say, I want to wind up there and go in the opposite direction? Have you ever had this happen? I had a friend in high school who was going uh, for their first, uh, you know, 
got to obscure identities here. Um, going for their first college campus visit, and to get there from our town, you had to get on I-85 North. And so when it's time to go back home, you take the same road that you used to get there, I-85 North, right? That doesn't work. If you want to get back south, there needs to be some integrity here. Don't get on a road that leads north. Proverbs uses that kind of metaphor all the time. Don't get on a path. Don't, don't, don't walk in a direction that's going different than where you expect to wind up. And so that metaphor is throughout the book. There should be this kind of consistency between what we say and what we believe, between where we say we want to go and where we're actually moving. And immediately we're introduced, verse 9, to the opposite of integrity and another metaphor of crookedness, something that is twisted, right? You see verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The opposite of integrity is crookedness. The, the idea comes from uh, the terrain in Israel. If you want to get somewhere quickly, there are plenty of shortcuts that twist and wind and go through these steep turns downhill around rocks. They're not the safest places to walk. The safest place to walk is on a wider, straighter road. But that's going to take more time because there are fewer of those. <laughs> And uh, so a crooked path is like a moral shortcut. It's like I'm trying to get somewhere good by walking somewhere bad. It's not going to happen. Crookedness. And then we get to these very specific examples of that. Well, tell us, God, what, what, what are some practical everyday ways that we can have integrity? Don't wink with your eye, verse 10 says. Now, in our culture, a wink is something playful or, in the wrong context, it can be inappropriate, right? Uh, in, in this context, culturally, winking with the eye would have been something like this. You meet a new friend, you're talking to them, you're surrounded by your posse, right? And you say to the new friend, you know what, you seem like the kind of person I'd really get along with. Uh, why don't you meet me tonight at 9 o'clock, and I'll be happy to treat you to uh, dessert or drinks. And the whole time you're winking with your eye. Why? Because everybody else around you is picking up on You're just setting this goofball up for a failure. You're going to stand him up. You have no intention of keeping your promise. You have one standard of relating to one group of people and another standard of relating to this person. And the wink is the signal to everybody who's in the know, the insiders, right? That you're going to treat this person like an outsider. That have no intention of honoring what you say to them. Can, can, if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, can we commit to not being like that? Can we commit to not dividing up the world into insiders and outsiders? Can we commit to not treating one group of people with one standard and another group of people with another secret standard that we talk about behind their back, but we never are honest face-to-face -face about that? Proverbs is dealing with the real world. 
the second half of that verse talks about the real world too. A babbling fool will come to ruin. How does a babbling fool demonstrate lack of integrity? When you talk about something, but you don't know anything about it. When you talk about it like you're the world's greatest expert, but you don't know squat, that's a lack of integrity. Can we not do that? If if we're following Jesus, can we just say, hey, you know what? There are enough people in this world who have plenty to say and don't know what they're talking about. We do not need to add to that collection, right? Can we be a, a, a breath of fresh air in our city of people who say, if I don't know about it, I'm not going to have an opinion about it. And I'm going to say more often, I don't know, let me get back to you. That's integrity. Um, We see more examples as we go through this, right? Verse 11, the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. I intend to harm you, but I'm going to talk like I want to to help you. Um, Verse 12 talks about a kind of hatred that stirs up strife. And then we get over into chapter 20 and see more examples, right? Lack of integrity. Why would you walk into the field um, expecting to find that the slugger does not plow in the autumn, autumn he will seek at harvest and have nothing? Why would you walk into the field at harvest time expecting to find a crop when you didn't plant any seeds? That's a lack of wisdom and integrity, right? Why expect good things to come into our lives if, if we didn't in, invest any of the planning that that goes with that okay that's not wise um then you then you read this uh this example the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water but a man of understanding can draw it out deep water in israel deep water is found in underground cisterns that are dark because they're, did you hear the part about underground? Right? There's no sunlight in them. And they're deep. I, I had a chance to walk in some of there's like 40, 60 feet deep to gather rainwater to save it up for times when there's no rain. Imagine going that deep underground, how dark it's going to be. And this proverb is saying, um, some people are like that. What they're really thinking, what they're really up to, they keep so deep and so dark and so hidden. Don't be like that. Don't be the kind of person who's keeping your, your real self, your real character, your real intentions hidden from people. Now, a wise person can send a bucket down on a string and pull some of that water out and figure out what's really going on with you if you don't have integrity. But Jesus talks about that, right? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be the kind of person who says yes and people are like, I wonder what she really means. I wonder what he's really up to. You don't need a bucket and a rope to figure out what a person of integrity is really up to because the purpose of their heart is not deep and dark. Uh, They're not trying to scam you. All of these examples point us to things. Well, can we look at one more? Um, this, this last verse here. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. 
You can find plenty of people who will say the right thing. How many people will follow through and actually do that? You can find plenty of people who will say that they're committed to your good. But when push comes to shove, whose good will they actually pursue? That's the world we live in, right? You, you hear the gap. The gap between what we want to be and what we actually are. The gap between what we say and what we do. The gap between what we desire and what we experience. We would like to live in a world where everyone is honest with us, but we do not live in that world. We would like to live in a world where everyone who says something will follow through on it, but we do not live in that world. Our personal experience is that it is easier to want integrity than to get it. It is easier to want integrity than to live it. And that's not just personal. It's universal. There is this bigger theme that runs through Proverbs about this universal gap between justice and compassion. If on a personal level, I have desires for integrity, but I have a different kind of experience, then on a more macro level, I will see a similar gap between justice and compassion. When it comes to justice, the way the book of Proverbs describes integrity is by saying, hey, perfection is the standard. Perfection is the standard. Here's a selection from chapter 20. Look at verse, uh, it's, it's verse 8. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows all evil with his eyes. It doesn't say, winnowing is this agricultural metaphor, right, of you've, you've harvested the, the, the grain, but you can only eat the kernels from inside it. And so you find a way to beat out the kernels of grain, and then you throw up everything, and the wind blows away the chaff, and you're left with the good part. And a just ruler does something similar when it comes to evil, you don't want, you know, when you pour cereal out of the box and, and that gross piece that's not supposed to be eaten made its way into the box, you don't want to eat that. You don't want to eat any of that. That's the metaphor here. How, how much evil should the king let pass? Is a little bit of evil okay? Anybody know safety stegosaurus? Are you familiar with safety stegosaurus at all? Like, he has some rules about safety, and one of his rules about safety is um, some garbage is okay. I'm not sure that safety stegosaurus is a dinosaur of integrity. <clears throat> some garbage is not okay. Some evil is not okay. Should some people get away with evil? No. The standard's perfection. Are, are we okay with it if rulers and authority say, you know, this was kind of bad, but we're going to let it slide? Well, who are they going to say that about? Probably their closest friends. Are we going to be okay with that? If the standard is less than perfection, you know, you know how we're going to apply that standard? What we're going to do is, is we're going to play favorites. So if the standard of justice is anything less than perfection, 
If integrity doesn't demand that the king winnows out all evil, then then we're in deep trouble because we're going to start showing favoritism and saying, you know, the wealthy and the powerful, they get a pass. If they do a little bit of evil, it's okay. You know, my kind of evil is actually not that bad. Your kind of evil is terrible. So we're throwing the book at you, but me, I get a pass. No, the standard is perfection. And then look at verse 10. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Now, we read that word abomination and and a lot of us go, man, that sounds like an overreaction. Let's go a little deeper. What are unequal weights and unequal measures? They are the ancient equivalent of um, predatory lending. They are the ancient equivalent of the person who called your grandmother or your great aunt and scammed her into thinking that something was wrong with her computer. And so she gave them all the information and they built her out of $10,000 or came real close to it. Would you say that kind of stuff is an abomination? Would you say that it's not only wrong, but seriously evil to prey on people who are defenseless and poor? Yeah, we'd say that. That's what this verse is talking about. The unequal weights and measures would be the tradesperson who says, hey, when I'm buying your produce, I'm going to use this set of weights so that we put it in the scale and I'm going to pay you for, look at that, 35 pounds. Thank you. But then when I come to sell the produce, I'm going to use a different set of weights. Look at that. You owe me for 75 pounds. And we're doing that in a culture where most people live day to day. They don't have extra money to waste on your unequal weights and measures. It's, it's, it's the ancient equivalent of that kind of predatory um, treatment of those who are poor. What should the standard be? Is a little bit of scamming old people okay? Well, you know, they only defraud you of a hundred bucks. That's all right. Ten thousand, that's too much. Hundred dollars worth of scamming, that's all right. We're good with that. No. It's abominable. Each of us is living in a time when, when technologically we have the capacity to defraud people on a massive scale. And all of us would like to think we will never do that. But we will be pressured to. The opportunity will be there. And it is a good thing that there is a God in the universe who says, you know what, the standard when it comes to justice is perfection. A little bit of evil is not okay. The king should winnow it all out. A little bit of defrauding the poor is not okay. All of it is evil. That's justice. The standard is perfection. But then we come to compassion. 
sandwiched between these two verses where God says the standard is perfection, notice what he also says. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from sin. Now, the, the kindergartner in all of us wants to go, ooh, 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 pick me, pick me. I know the answer. It's me. I'm the one. Look, to understand the Bible, you got to understand that uh, the, the ratio of real questions to rhetorical questions is like one to three. There are more rhetorical questions in the Bible than real questions, just like in everyday language, if you start counting. This is a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody. Nobody can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. You feel the tension? You feel the gap? The gap between justice, where the, the standard is perfection, and compassion, where God is saying, but in the real world, nobody will meet that standard. In the real world, no one can say. Even the king who sits on the throne, whose job is to winnow out evil, cannot say, I am perfect, that's why I get to be the one sitting on the throne. Even the king on the throne has to say, my heart is not pure. I am not clean. Even the person who hates predatory lending and scamming poor grandmas out of their retirement and social security check, how dare you? That person has to say, how dare I? Maybe that kind of evil is not my flavor, but... I have a chosen preferred flavor of evil that I practice every day. You feel that tension? What do we do with that gap? You know it's coming, so just get ready. What do we do with that gap? We say, welcome to Proverbs, right? Welcome to Proverbs. That tension is one of the beauties of the wisdom God teaches us in his word. That tension that says, on the one hand, we want the standard to be perfection. On the other hand, we're glad to know that God has compassion on people who are not perfect. Enough compassion to say, none of us can meet that standard of justice perfectly. Proverbs is like God's way of saying, I can be honest with you about this tension. I can tell you that I want you to keep striving for integrity. I want you to keep desiring integrity. When you look at that Millennium Falcon, I want you to want it to not fall apart when you pick it up. <laughs> I want you morally to be like that, solid enough that when somebody picks you up, they get what they expect because you're not one thing on the outside and something else on the inside. I want you to strive for that. And God says, but I can also tell you that you will not reach that standard perfectly. And so in wisdom, God can say to us, hey, look, you will always be disappointed if you expect perfect integrity from 
anyone else. One of my favorite moments in ministry, I get lots of them. It's one of the fun parts of being a pastor. Um, it happened about six years ago uh, when our kids were in high school and we were going to a football game on a Friday night. And um, one of their classmates was sitting in the stands. And you know, you know when you're in middle school, you sometimes say things too loud? <laughs> Louder than you meant to? Like it sounded right in your head, but then when it came out, you're like, ooh, probably, did, probably didn't mean for it to come out that loud. I think this was one of those moments because uh, this girl who's in middle school and part of our church here, as, as Trish and I were walking into the stands, she stands up and points and goes a little too loud, that's my pastor! <laughs> and, and it was like a lightning bolt moment happened. <laughs> Where I go, Lord, like all in that moment, everything held still for a minute, and I just thought, Lord, I don't ever want to do anything to cause her shame. May I be the man for whom every middle school girl would be glad to publicly shout, that is my pastor. May I not be the kind of pastor who would bring shame on her for having said that. I want to be a man of integrity. Just like you want to be men and women of integrity. And yet, I have moments when if, if she knew the depth of my heart and soul, she would sit down and be quiet and say, I don't want that man to be my pastor. We live in that tension, don't we? So good news in Proverbs is there are plenty of hints of how God will resolve that tension between the standard and our inability to meet it. I mean, what we desire and what we actually live and experience. God has a plan for closing that gap by giving us a gift one way to, to see what that plan is is to remember something we said earlier. When you're reading through the book of Proverbs, you're reading a lot about integrity. And you keep hearing these words, tome, integrity, wholeness, blamelessness, spotlessness. And you keep hearing this word tamim, people of integrity, blameless ones, spotless ones. While you're reading that in Proverbs, if you're one of God's people living in ancient Israel, you're also regularly reading books like Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And they're using that same language to tell you things like, on the day of Passover, when we celebrate, bring a lamb. And that lamb should be tamim, without blemish. And you read that about 50 times 
in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The idea that the people God wants, God wants us to live with integrity are also supposed to be bringing him offerings in worship. Offerings that are spotless, without blemish. And it's the same word. It's God saying, I've got a plan. I want you to live lives of real integrity. And I know you can't live a life of perfect integrity. So one day, I am going to make an offering of someone whose integrity is spotless, who is perfectly blameless, of someone who could put up their hand and say, I am the one who proclaimed my steadfast love and I was faithful to do exactly what I proclaimed. Jesus is that one. Jesus is the one who could put up his hand and say, I do have clean hands and I do have a pure heart. Jesus is the one in whom there was no gap between desire and experience. What God desired to see in him he actually lived. That was God's plan all along. If you pick up the Millennium Falcon, you'll be disappointed. The pressures of real world and real life are going to make it fall apart. <laughs> well, that's the old model. I think they got enough complaints that they redesigned it. They sent a new set with new parts and a book with a new plan for how to put it together. And now it's got a handle. You can pick it up and make it fly around and it doesn't fall apart. Jesus, Jesus is that kind of plan of God saying, I want you to live real lives of real integrity. It won't be perfect, but I want to set you free to pursue it because I have a plan for closing the gap between that imperfection and the standards of justice. And you will never be disappointed with that plan. And if you follow Jesus, all kinds of amazing things will begin to happen. They won't be perfect. They will be real. Things like forgiveness, where you will say, if I have been forgiven, I will begin to forgive other people. Love covers all offenses. Out of love, I will begin to cover over those offenses of other people. Because God has done that for me. I will begin to be the kind of person who doesn't hide my real purpose for you deep in a dark well. I will begin to be the kind of person who, who says up front what I mean. And if I treat you differently than what I've said, I begin to be the kind of person who says that honestly too. 
and asks for your forgiveness. Why does that begin to happen? Not because God told us to straighten up and stop being crooked. It begins to happen because God had a plan that was full of power, enough power to change people like you and me so that one day when you walk into the stadium, God will stand up and say, I am proud that she is my daughter. I am proud that he is my son. I couldn't be more pleased with him than if they had laid down their own life to redeem the universe as my son Jesus did. There is integrity between what God asks of us and what he provides for us. Let's take a moment and give thanks for that. Lord God, we don't want to be the people who fall apart, who look solid on the outside, but are uh, waiting to turn on others. We don't want to be the people who say one thing and do another. We don't want to be the people who cheat and defraud the poor. And yet, we don't know how to change ourselves. We thank you that you have a plan. And your plan involves your son closing a gap that we all see and that you describe plainly in your word. And closing that gap with a kind of love and faithfulness that we don't deserve. We thank you for that great gift And we pray that today you would draw us to the integrity that you show in your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.